Welcome to Young and Adulting, a podcast of the Young Adults community at Christ Fellowship Church. Our hope is to create a safe place for authentic conversation around the ins and outs of life as we all try to navigate following Jesus in the world we live in today. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the conversation. Hey, well, welcome to season seven of the Young and Adulting Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Gonzalez, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in. We're jumping into a fresh conversation that we've begun a couple of episodes ago, going through the book of John. Uh, As a community of young adults, we've been diving into this discussion on our Tuesday night gatherings, but there's so much content to cover that we wanted to create a space for just deeper explanation and diving in and unpacking some of the stuff that might be a little controversial which I'm super excited to jump into. So uh, you don't want to hear from me. I'll tell you that. But you do want to hear from our familiar, not guest guest, uh, Professor Randy Allison is in the building. We've also got uh, some members of our team, Pastor DJ and Gavin, one of our very own SEU student young adult aficionados in the building. So we're going to jump in in just a moment. But before we do so, uh, Professor Randy, theologian Randy, Pastor Randy. Amanda. There's so many titles, but could you just give our listeners, you, you actually... <laughs> Came onto the podcast a couple of episodes ago, episode two. Yes. So if yes. you haven't checked that out, jump back there and give it a listen. It's a really good conversation. But could you just tee up the conversation for people that want to know more about you? Give us, give us the stuff. Give us the stuff yeah. we need to know. Well, I get, I get to question often. What's, the, what's, what's my favorite thing about being a, a theology professor? And uh, that's an easy question. Okay. Uh, one is I, I love teaching people uh, how to study the Bible. Yeah. I do. I love doing that. And some of the classes I get to do, that's exactly what we get to focus on. So I love doing that. And notice I said study, not yeah. just read, but yeah. how do you study the Bible and how do you interpret it? So I love being able to do that. Um, also, I love to teach people how to start thinking about their beliefs. Mm. Oftentimes we believe stuff because someone said so. Yep. Uh, I've done that. And boy, was I wrong. And you know, I shouldn't have done that. And so it's, you know, I love to be able to just teach people how they can think through their beliefs and what they should believe and what they do believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other thing is just what we're doing here. I love having great discussion around God's Word. So uh, that's, uh, that's it. That's why I love being able to teach theology, especially here at CFSEU. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love it. And speaking of SEU, we've got some in our show notes. There's going to be some links of resources that are going to be uh, kind of connected to our conversation today and some of the things that uh, Professor Randy's involved in. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask you, because you have a student here, like who gets the best grades, who's your favorite, but we won't go there. <laughs> but we do have a, a passage of scripture that's a little controversial in uh, John chapter 7, as we're, we're going to be hanging out today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to let you just kind of read the passage, unpack it for us together so that even the listeners, uh, if you've got a Bible with you, you can follow along, but definitely take some notes. If you could just give us context of the conversation we're about to have. Yeah. Um, this, many folks probably don't even know this is in their Bible. Mm. I mean, this, this, is, this is a really obscure passage at times because I don't hear folks talk about it often, but, uh, but it's there and it's in John chapter seven. And basically real quick, and we'll just read a few verses, but yeah. the context of it is uh, Jesus and his brothers and a few disciples, okay? They're wanting to go down to Jerusalem for uh, one of the feasts, okay? Jewish people had really three big feasts, and this was the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And uh, Jesus basically says, uh, you guys go ahead. And the brothers are saying, oh, but you should come because this is your opportunity to show yourself to the public and, you know, display all your power, you know, all that stuff they're saying. And then 
Also in the context of that, uh, John reminds us, and yet his brothers didn't even believe in him at this point yet. Mm. Right, right. So, uh, but Jesus just basically says, no, you guys go ahead. I'm not going to go. But then John 7, 8 through 10, let me read these real quick. You go on. I'm not going. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. Now, that's a loaded statement we'll get to in a little bit. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly staying out of the public view. So, of course, and again, what we're here to talk about today, this begs the question, did Jesus lie? Yeah. Or in, or in uh, Gen Z, is he capping? <laughs> yeah? Do you, do you know what that means? I missed that translation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I missed that one. Yeah, it's, Hopefully, yeah, it's in there. Yeah, it's in there. But, I missed uh, that. I'd love to just throw it to either of you guys. We've got Pastor DJ from our PSL Young Adults Campus and Gavin with us. Do either of you just initially have any thoughts that you want to ask Professor? I mean, yeah, um, when it comes to that passage, it's Jesus. He's saying, hey, I'm, I'm not going to go. But then mm-hmm. he goes. So my question for you, um, Professor, is why or... Not even just why, like he was he practically lying to his disciples for a reason? Yeah, it, it really does raise some pretty challenging questions at times. So let's go ahead and address the obvious first, though. Okay, so so did Jesus lie to his his brothers and the disciples? Um, there's a couple things to notice. Okay, now first we have to remember we're looking at a translation. All right, the Bible you have Old Testament, New Testament, written in different languages. You have a translation of it. All right, and back in those days when they were, you know, writing these letters and writing these books and all of that, you know, they had scribes, and the scribes were the ones who made copies of all this stuff. They didn't, they didn't have kinkos. They didn't just right. go photocopy stuff, and you know, all that. So, so at times we had different texts out there. Okay, and it is good to note, and in many of your Bibles, if you look at your translation, uh, probably around verse eight, you're going to see, you know, a let a little small letter or two up there. Because what they're going to say is, when Jesus is saying again in uh, John 7, verse 8, you go on, I'm not going, some translations do have in the text, I'm not going yet. That's what some translations will say to this festival, and then the rest of it continues on. So my first thing would be is, did Jesus lie? You have some textual considerations here. So that's you know a pretty strong case right there that the text we're looking at, he actually did say, I'm not going yet. Mm. Now, but I like to have fun, okay? <laughs> Let's say it's not there, okay? Mm. Did Jesus still lie? I think there's still other ways to understand that he didn't lie, mm. okay? I think the context itself, when you look at what's going on, think about it. As I said earlier a few minutes ago, why did Jesus' brothers want him to go to Jerusalem during this festival? So you can show your power and just display to everyone all the things you can do and attract more followers. That wasn't Jesus' style. Hmm. That's not what he did. And by the way, that's part of what prompts that response in Hmm. verse 9 and 10, uh, or verse 8, for my time has not yet come. Jesus is basically saying to his brothers, I am not going to go to Jerusalem just to do that. Hmm. That is not what he was about. He wasn't about to show off. He wasn't about to just attract a crowd. Hmm. What he was about was the Father's purpose. What he was about was the Father's plan and why he would go to Jerusalem ultimately. By the way, this is John 7. If you do John's timeline, it's probably a few months later, Hmm. and he goes to Jerusalem to die on the cross for us. So that's the time frame we're looking at, and Jesus isn't going to go to Jerusalem in that way. 
with his brothers to do what they wanted to do. That's the second thing I would mention. And then the third thing, and again, Amanda, you'll have to let me know. Cut me off if we need to. But it's the festival itself. Hmm. The Festival of Booths or Tabernacles, okay? This was the last of the fall festivals for Jewish people. This was a festival that did several things for our context and for time's sake. It celebrated the wilderness time during the Exodus event. Mm. And so what did the people do? I know this sounds funny, but it's what they did. They built little huts and they went out of their houses and they lived in these little huts for seven days. It reminded them that God provided for us mm. during the wilderness time and that even as we were in the wilderness, living in these little makeshift huts and tents and all yeah. of this, God was still with us because of the tent of meeting and all of that. Now think about it. Who was Jesus? He was God in flesh. And at the festival of booths or tabernacles, we are told also by the time of Jesus, it was in celebration that God would come once again mm. to us. Who's Jesus? He's God in the flesh who has come. So my question is, why does he need to go to this festival to celebrate when he's the fulfillment of wow. the festival? It's mm. great. See what I'm saying? Great. And yep. by the way, John will also remind us, John chapter 1, verse 14, that... He, he will say at one point, the word became flesh and dwelt among wow. us. Yeah. That Good. word for dwelt literally means housed with us, mm. tabernacled with us. Man. That's a big part of why I think Jesus recognizes and says to his brothers, I don't need to go to celebrate and, and, and do all the stuff you're saying, mm. not only for the other reasons we mentioned, but also I'm the fulfillment of this holiday. Mm. That's so good. And I love... Because you, you could read that first glance. I'm sure many mm -hmm. of us have read that, and I didn't get there. <laughs> and so I just love that the, the the stewardship of the Word of God that can just kind of draw out mm -hmm. some meanings that connects the dots for a lot of young adults that I'm sure are listening. But DJ, I'd love to get uh, any of your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was very helpful. And my first thought as you were reading this is, um, yeah, I have like the little note uh, of, of in my scripture that says like yeah, probably yet and read a little bit and I yeah, use yeah. Uh, honestly a commentary good a lot of times when I read good but could you talk a little bit of your methodology when it comes to scripture because um, I just want to know while you're sitting you're studying you know it's more than just a letter um, so I know like when we think of methods of reading scripture um, it's just a way of coming about a thought or an idea like my method of coming here today was a car so could you talk yeah. a little bit of your method because I think the Correct me if I'm wrong, but the historical grammatical mm -hmm. methodology is how you arose to this idea. So could you talk a little bit on your study, how you arose to this? It was a commentary and, and yeah. through that process. Yeah. That, that'd be helpful. Um, the short answer, okay? Because really the full answer to that is you need to take my eight-week hermeneutic class. Right, but other than that, absolutely. okay? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> the short answer is, is I, it's what I encourage people to do all the time is this, is when we're reading the Word of God, slow down. Yeah. And I Great. still love how Rick Warren will say things. Rick Warren will say, hey, when you're, what's the difference between reading and studying the Word of God? A pencil and a notebook. Yeah. Because, or, or your laptop open. And you're, because we need resources yeah. to help yeah. us understand the Word of God. We are reading a document that is separated from us by language mm -hmm. and culture yep. those, and time. Yep. Let's not forget that. Yep. And so we need help in understanding this. Okay, I can use an example. Uh, when I was doing some of my PhD work, Okay, uh, part of my major is I studied philosophy. And so I would go and read the works of Plato. I'd go and read the works of Aristotle. Those are in Greek. 
Okay? So those are translations also. So I would approach in many ways Scripture the same way I did that philosophy. I needed tools. Yeah. I needed help. And the cool thing is, and what I encourage my students all the time is, we live in the greatest— I Anybody who was a Christian in past times would beg to be living when we were today mm -hmm. because we have more access to resources and yep. tools That's to right. study the Word of God than any generation of Christians, period. Yeah, <laughs> period. But what are we doing with them? Right. Yeah. We're watching videos. No, just kidding. You know I mean? But no, you, you see what I'm saying, DJ? You see what I'm Absolutely. saying? Is I, I will turn to, and I love how you mentioned you turn to a commentary. Commentaries are great, but I would say it, you don't even have to go that technical. Yeah. Okay? We just need to slow down what we're reading, start asking questions, start observing things, make some notes. What do I have questions about? Hey, this does seem like Jesus is lying to me. Is it? Is he? Because I know, I know my, my church answer is no. But it sure seems like he is. But you can write that question out, and then you can take it to your small group. Start asking others to help you with this. To ask your pastors. You know, there are a lot of tools. And let's not forget this, Amanda, and you, you and I have talked about this before. Um, we're a community of believers. We don't do this on our own. Right. We're a community. Really? We come to each other. We encourage. We spur each other on. Yep. And that's what we can also do with our studies, with our Bible study. So does that make sense? Those, I mean, yeah. I know, yeah, I could sit here and list five different tools and all right. of that. Right. But I think it's more just the way we approach mm. Scripture. Right. And if we take it from that perspective, just slow down, recognize all the tools. If I, it, let me mention one. Blue Letter Bible. Yeah. is a good free tool that's out there. I also like stepbible.org. Yeah. That's one I use a lot. So those are great free resources on the internet. Now, again, I want to encourage folks, when you're studying God's Word, I'd rather you be in the Word of God, the real book, but have your laptop open as a study resource, yep. not just you know looking at the text only on computer. Again, there are statistics that continue to back up. We retain more when we're actually looking at the Word of God as a book form, yep. not just a screen. Uh, so really, uh, just to jump back into the passage that we just yep. read, I'm curious, uh, why would it actually even matter if Jesus kind of fibbed here? Yeah. No, that's good because we've just talked about how we can know he didn't, mm -hmm. okay? But here's the issue, and you're right, and this is a theological issue, uh, the broader question, not just the Jesus lie, could Jesus have sinned? That's right. what really this comes down to, and yeah. that is a good question to ask. Now, let's get theological for a second, because that raises the theological doctrine It's known as the impeccability of Christ. Yep. In other words, is there any fault in him? Yep. Could he have sinned, the impeccability of Christ? Now, Scripture's pretty clear. I mean, it's unanimous. No, he could not have. But we as Christians, we believe he's God in flesh, dwelling among us. He's fully God. He's fully man. Please don't ever say he's half God, half man. Right, that makes right. him sound like Thor or something. All right? <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking he's fully God right. and he's fully man. So some have made the suggestion, uh, well, if he is fully man, then, well, no. And, and here's what I want to share with this. We know unanimously, unequivocally from Scripture, Jesus did not sin. Why? John 1, 14, Jesus is full of grace and truth, okay? 1 Peter 2, 22, he committed no sin, and in him there was no deceit, all right? Hebrews 4, 15, he was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Now, I like that one. He was tempted in every way. Yeah. Yet did not. What that tells me is whatever temptation I'm coming across, Jesus right. has been there. Right. And he didn't sin. 
He didn't make that choice. Mm. So we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. And and then the other thing, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Catch that? He made him who knew no sin mm. to be sin. Jesus yeah. took on all that sin for us so that we could gain power over sin when he conquered death, was raised from the grave, and now we have the power of his wow. spirit living in us too. So let me answer the question. Could Jesus have sinned? Big question. Here's what I believe. Theoretically, okay, now what do I mean by that? I mean, in theory, because he had a human nature, theoretically, you can make a case that he could have. And scholars will debate this. Hmm. But I believe biblically, because he was also not only fully man, he was fully God. Biblically, Absolutely, Jesus could not have sinned Hmm. because God is perfect. He is Hmm. divine. And Jesus was unlike anyone else in that he was perfectly displaying Hmm. both humanity and divinity. And so that's how I answer that question. I know you're saying, oh, you're two-faced. No, no, because I said theoretically I have to allow for that. But biblically, I think it's a resounding no. Jesus could not have sinned. Yeah. I'm curious if you guys have any other thoughts uh, related to either the question that he's just answered or something yeah. else in the passage. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, well, first off, just even in Isaiah 53, when uh, Scripture says it's it's the prophecy about Jesus, who he is to come, the, the Messiah, and they don't mm-hmm. they don't know that it's Jesus yet. But we see that in verse nine that there's going to be no deceit in his mouth. Yeah, so right, even right. The Messiah, if you believe that Jesus is a Messiah, then you believe he didn't lie, which is cool. But here's kind of a a crazy curveball, kind of talking if Jesus sinned or not. I believe that he didn't. So therefore, if we know that the consequence for sin is death, mm-hmm. then Jesus couldn't have died unless he did what? Give up his spirit like he did on the cross. True. So now, what, is that a question or are you just making the statement? No, no, I'm, I'm asking kind of your your thoughts on that. The, yeah, the, well, was Jesus in That raises so. a good question because when you look at Jesus's responses on the cross, I'm I'm I make a big deal of the fact Jesus's life wasn't taken. Yep. It was given. Absolutely, right. He yielded up his spirit. He was it was not taken from him. He yep. gave his life. And that's a huge distinction to make because I believe you're right is that is that you know he the fact that he did not sin does seem in fact that he did not sin does suggest and does tell us from Scripture then he, there was no reason, quote, for him to die, but yet being fully God, fully man, it does bring that complex of, okay, with Jesus on the cross, he's giving his life, mm-hmm. that's why he died. Mm-hmm. He died for us. Yeah. Not because of himself, he died for us. And that, yeah, that's a great point, Megan. Right. I also like Isaiah 53 because that's the famous suffering servant passage. Right, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like both kind of point to mm-hmm. Jesus being... Without sin, yeah. and I good. That's that's the type of, of Jesus that I want to serve. Yeah. The one who, like, I mean, you yeah. said it so well that that he weathered all types of temptation, and mm-hmm. therefore, I, I strive to be like Jesus, not just in that way, but in every way. But mm-hmm. but I, I've heard people say, "Oh, well, Jesus had to deal with the internet." <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't have to deal with the internet, but yeah. he still had to deal with lust. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. He didn't have to deal yeah. with the internet, but he yeah. can still yeah. deal with you know all the other right. stuff you can find out there. So, right. yeah. so you know, that's what we're yeah. getting at when we say he was tempted in every way. Yeah. Absolutely, still without. Would well, he have scrolled for two hours while going to bed every night? Next season, I love what I love what he said um, about how even though like there wasn't internet back then, he still like dealt with mm-hmm. temptation. How you said he also displayed being 100. percent Even though he was 100 percent God, he also struggled with being 100 percent human mm-hmm. with what we deal with on a day to day basis like temptations in our day-to-day lives with there being more like the temptations that you see on the internet while scrolling or just walking in your everyday life so I kind of I just want to make that statement that I think that's really good how you said he displays both he's not 50 50 but he's 100 each right yeah good Good. And, and that's what makes him, again, you know, the son of man. Mm-hmm. That was his favorite self-designation because it takes on both. He identifies with humanity, but the son of man, especially from Old Testament, if you look at Daniel, uh, that's God. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's the presence of God among us. Yeah. And that's what it reminds us of. That's great. I, I do have one quick question I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love for you to speak to. Uh, I grew up where any type of like hot topic item like this, I always kind of felt like it was taboo to have a thought like, did Jesus lie? So uh, just even for our young adult listeners, those who are reading scripture and they, and they come across something that's kind of different than what they've always understood Jesus to be, could you kind of help kind of assure them, reassure them that it's that struggle, that tension, that's good. Like, it's great to be wrestling yeah. with these type of topics. Could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. One of the challenges we have today, in my opinion, is that Christians aren't asking enough questions. Mm. That's so good. Yeah. If we want to grow in our faith, we need to recognize there's things that I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. So how can I find the answer? But the, what, we, what I think many Christians fall to is they think, oh, wow, I got a good question. I don't know how to find the answer. Hmm. What movie can I watch? <laughs> They'll just move on. They'll yeah. just move on. Yeah. They'll just push it aside. They'll yeah. never address it. Uh, oh, that's a question for a pastor. And, mm-hmm. and, and then they never ask their pastor or, or whoever. So, so my point is, is I think it's needed that we need to ask questions about the things we say we believe. And again, to think about what we believe, not yeah. just because we hear it preached on a Sunday, but to recognize as Christians, we need to have convictions. Yeah. Okay. In other words, know why we have our beliefs and yeah. we can explain them. All right. That's what apologetics is all about, right. giving a defense, right. showing people why that we have the hope that we have mm-hmm. and believe who Jesus is and, and that he died on the cross and was raised yeah. for us and we have his spirit now in us. Yeah. So all of that's important, but yet, yes, I think one of the main things we don't do enough of, we need to start asking Mm -hmm. more questions and finding the answers. Right. And again, if we don't know the answers, again, that's why we have community. That's why we have each other. That's why we have all these tools and access to all of this stuff we talked about earlier with studying the Word of God. It's available. We just need to know where it is and how to use it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and I love that invitation to community. I wonder how mm-hmm. many of you young adults have been tuning into something like this, and you've heard pastors and leaders that you look up to say you need to read your Bible more and study it, and you've been doing that to the best of your individual ability, yes. but potentially this is an invitation. Read together. We all need Grapple encouragement. Grapple with it together. Yes. Yes. Create this mm-hmm. context for yourselves and 
really invite uh, other voices into to the grapple and, and mm-hmm. see what could come of it. But I just want to thank you for your time today, Professor Randy Allison, theologian extraordinaire, and uh, Pastor DJ and, and Gavin for being in this conversation and for all of you for tuning in to another episode. If you enjoyed this conversation, uh, I want to encourage you to like, review, share, subscribe, all of the above, and share it with somebody that you uh, think that this would really this would really lend them some aid. <laughs> this would feel like a breath of fresh air to know that people can ask scripture questions like this and and survive. <laughs> so I hope that this was a time of encouragement for you. Uh, and so we will be right back here next week, not us, but some other friends that are going to be here tuning in next week for another episode of the Young and Adulting Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Young and Adulting. Follow us on Instagram at cf.youngadults. And if there's a topic you'd like to talk about, we want to hear about it. Send us an email or leave a comment with your thoughts. We'll see you next time.